Hello everyone, my name is Jake Murren and you're tuning in to the show of shows, SPT Overtime, the show that covers sports that do not get the spotlight on Sports Power Talk every week. Joining me today is Michael Matthews. What's going on everyone? And today we have a preview show of this week's UFC pay-per-view, UFC 269. It will be the last UFC pay-per-view of 2021 and it features a stacked card with two title fights. We'll break down each main card matchup and give our picks for all five of the exciting fights. Sound good to you, Michael? Sounds amazing to me. I can't wait. All right, well, let's get right into the action. So the first fight of the night, or at least on the main card anyway, is a bantamweight bout between Rollian Paeva versus Sean O'Malley, the Sugar Show showing up in Las Vegas. Rollian Paeva is on a three-fight winning streak after losing his first two UFC appearances. He is a well-balanced fighter, but he has never been KO'd in his long career. He is 21-3, and three, going up against Sean O'Malley, a young bantamweight prospect who is currently sitting at 14-1 and one with a 5-1 and one record in the UFC, four of which came via knockout. How do you see this one playing out? You know, let Sugar tell it, he's never lost, ever. Uh, obviously, he has, as you said, that one L is on his record. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't see him losing this one either. And to be honest, I know it hasn't happened yet, but I think this one ends in a KO. That's just what I, I really I really see that happening. Okay, so you're re- referencing the one loss for Sean O'Malley, yes. the loss against Chido Vera, where he kind of injured his, his own self. Yeah, that his was weird. Foot, kind of a weird freak injury. So you're on the Sean O'Malley undefeated see, train. I'm not, but at the same time, I feel like Sean O'Malley is somebody I I like, but I don't want to. Like, it, it doesn't make much sense, but it's like, you know, McGregor has that thing about him, like, you love to hate him sometimes. Right. Sean O'Malley is like, I want to hate this guy, but I cannot for some reason. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he's got that that persona and swagger. Yeah. He's easy to promote in the UFC. Absolutely. Definitely makes him popular. He's 14-1, has a huge fan base as well. And like I said, he's getting wins via knockout in yeah. the UFC. That's all you need to get the traction you need. Also, his last win at UFC 264 was against the short-notice replacement Chris Moutinho, mm-hmm. and he landed 230 significant strikes in under 15 minutes. That's ridiculous, really. Yeah. Landed 72% of his shots. He is not only he doesn't only have that knockout power, but he's also very accurate with his mm-hmm. strikes. He's a sniper. He pinpoints his shots. He likes to hit people and not get hit. You know, you hear Absolutely. those you hear those fighters that will throw a shot even if they get hit too. Mm-hmm. It's not the case for Sean O'Malley. Personally, I think Sean O'Malley wins this fight. Yeah. But I'm going to give Raleigh and Paeva the benefit of the doubt just because he's never been KO'd. Mm-hmm. Plus this is probably Sean O'Malley's toughest competition of his career, I'd say, other than Chido Vera who's right. a great fighter, but you know, we know the circumstances of that fight. Right. I think Paeva's strong competition, as I said, never been KO'd. I think he has a tough chin, but Sean O'Malley has that power. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets knocked out, like you said, but I'm going to go Malley via decision for the first fight of the night at Bantamweight. That's fair. I feel like Sean has some stuff to prove after that last one, even though, like we all, like we already talked about, he said he didn't lose. Obviously, he did. The people are doubting him. Even though it was that freak injury and you could blame whatever else you want to blame, there's an L on his record now. That that O is completely gone. So now he has to prove to everyone, hey, 
I'm still that guy. I will always be that guy. I feel like the best way he could prove that is to knock somebody out who has never been knocked out before. Because why not? Yeah, it would be a big statement win in his young career and maybe even get that illustrious ranking next to his name that he has not had thus far. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, moving on from the first fight of the night, we go to the second one featuring a flyweight fight between the sixth-ranked flyweight in the world, Kai Kara France, against the seventh-ranked bantamweight in the world, Cody Garbrandt. Garbrandt was the former 135-pound champ. Mm -hmm. He's moving down to 125 to take on Kai Kara France. He got a first-round knockout in his last fight, and he's 5-2 and two in the UFC with one loss coming against the current champion, Brandon Moreno, so you can't knock him for that. How do you like this one? See, I like Garbrandt. I feel like he's one of the first flyweights I really, really liked. And now, you know, the footwork is obviously there for him. The power in his hands is obviously there. He's had a nice little comeback tour, you know? But... I don't see this fight working out in his favor, even though I really want it to. I feel like he's just outclassed on Saturday. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you. Kaikar France is no joke in the flyweight division. He's ranked number six for a reason. Mm-hmm. He's fighting out of city kickboxing, and he lands 5.02 significant strikes per minute. Not, right. not, not something to laugh about. He is a great striker as well. The only thing that worries me on the Garbrandt side is he has 100% takedown defense. He likes to keep the fight on his feet, and he's able to keep the fight on his feet. Mm -hmm. And he has that knockout power and that big fight experience especially. He's been in these big moments on the stage. He's a former champion. He has that knockout power. It only takes one shot to put Kayakara France's lights out Saturday night. As we saw when he fought Rafael pulled the the punch all the way from his hip, literally was crouched all the way down, buzzer-beating KO, one of the greatest things I've ever seen in UFC history. You know, that power is always there. Just in that one punch, that's all it takes. But I just don't see him getting it done again against Kai. There's just no way. Yeah, I I do agree with you. I think flyweight is a big difference maker in this fight as well yeah you know Garbrandt is cutting down to 125 after being a 135 pounder for most of his MMA career Mm -hmm. so I don't know how that weight cut is going to affect him I don't know if that's going to reduce his power at all right but this is in Kai Kara France's wheelhouse right here he's Mm -hmm. in his division he's welcoming in a former champion if he beats the former champion that puts him right up there maybe one fight away from title shot contention I do like Kaikar France here by decision. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll be able to put down Garbrandt, but I am also worried that Garbrandt might pick up the knockout win, but I'm going to go with Kaikar France here. That's fair. I did realize at the beginning I said Garbrandt was one of my favorite flyweights. That just makes no sense. I mean, Bantamweight, I don't, I don't really know where that came from. Maybe he becomes one of my favorite flyweights if he gets this W today. But, yeah. or I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Do you think it'll be a... Knockout for France or submission or I think this is a not even split decision. I feel like this is unanimous. Unanimous. And I feel like, you know, we're all on MMA Twitter after this saying, man, I really wanted Cody to do good, but I feel like it might be time. Yeah. And Cody Garbrandt, who knows where he goes from here. Right. He is 12 and four. He's been champion at Bantamweight. Moving down to flyweight, if he loses to Kaikar France, 
does he stick with flyweight? Does he right. go back up to bantamweight? He lost his last fight against Rob Fun. Mm-hmm. He's one in four in his last five. Yeah. It might be time to call it a career, but he's still young. Very important fight here for both fighters, and we'll see how it plays out Saturday night. Absolutely. So the third fight before the co-main event and main event, we have a welterweight matchup between Jeff Neal, who is 13-4, and four, versus the 14th-ranked welterweight in the world, Santiago Ponzinibbio, who's 29-4. and four. How do you like this one? You know, Jeff Neal, I believe lost what two in a row now uh yes two against steven wonderboy thompson and neil bagney somehow some way i still have him as my favorite going into this fight and maybe it's not a smart decision but hey i don't always have to make smart decisions <laughs> so i feel like jeff uh i i truly feel like he's on the brink of being that like contender and it's it's such an interesting style of fighter he is. You know, fighting out of Southpaw, super, super significant strike type of guy. Like, he's one of those people who you really have to watch out for all the time. All these knockouts, he has the power to do that. I truly think his record doesn't indicate how good he really is. And I feel like on Saturday night, Jeff Neal walks out of UFC 269 with a knockout victory and moving up ready to contend for that title. All right. Well, this is going to be our first disagreement okay. here. I actually have Santiago Ponzinibbio by knockout here. Wow. So Jeff Neal, one of the big storylines coming into this fight was that he was actually arrested on Thanksgiving Day, mm-hmm. charged with a couple things, but... Arrested nonetheless, the UFC says the bout was not in jeopardy to begin with. It still certainly is not. And the seven-fight winning streak before his two straight losses was amazing. He had five KOs in those seven wins. Mm -hmm. He specializes in striking, has a knockout power, like you said. But I think there's just a lot going on in his life, a lot, too many distractions. And Ponzinibbio is no joke. He won his last fight against Miguel Carmel Thunder by Aza. He's 8-1 and one in his last nine fights, and he's 29-4 and four in his career. He has that experience. He's a veteran in the game. He fights out of Argentina, mm-hmm. and he's an exciting, throw, exciting fighter that throws crazy strikes. I like him here in this one. I think he just throws a strike that Jeff Neal might not see and is able to get the knockout. I'll say round two knockout for Ponzinibbio. Okay, I have round one. Round one for Round Jeff Round one, making Man. a statement. But I understand because, like, you look at Ponzinibbio, I feel like he is, like, the definition of a volume striker. He seems like he does not get tired. And it's not like he's just jabbing you all fight. He can hit you with anything. So, like you said, it might be one of those ones you don't even see coming that eventually gets you. I look back, I believe his fighting against Neil Magny is uh, what I'm referring to. Just such a... Big time striker. It's honestly like amazing to watch. I do feel like Jeff can beat that, and I feel like he will. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a close matchup in the welterweight division, the division that is held by the Nigerian nightmare mm-hmm. Kamaru Usman. He's not letting go. No, not anytime soon. Looks like he might be fighting Leon Edwards. We'll see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. But the welterweight division, nonetheless, is stacked. We have number twelve versus number fourteen in the world going at it on Saturday night, and we'll see how it goes down, who will be 
right? Either me or Michael will see. Absolutely. All right, and now we go to the co-main event, the first of two title fights at the bantamweight division for the women's division. We have the champ Amanda Nunez versus contender Juliana Pena. Mm -hmm. This fight was originally scheduled for UFC 265 on August 7th, but Nunez had to be out with COVID. This is actually Nunez's third straight title defense where the bout was canceled until eventually being rescheduled, Mm -hmm. but this has not affected her by any means of getting these other women out of the cage and out of the cage fast in her fights. She's potentially the greatest women's MMA fighter in history, but Juliana Pena is no joke. How do you like this one? Like you said, she's no joke, but I'm betting the entire house on Amanda Lioness Nunez. One thing that's important to note, she's back at Bantamweight for this one. That's very interesting. If you remember, you know, Bantamweight is where we were able to see stuff like Ronda Rousey versus Amanda Nunez. And mm-hmm. we all know what happened there. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, that's like a legend killer moment that you're looking for right there. Amanda Nunez is the greatest women, you greatest women's UFC fighter, possibly even MMA fighter in history. I think it's time to put her in the pound-for-pound rankings, male or female. Exactly. And something that's that I I really expect with this one, she's not going to knock Juliana out. But like Amanda always does, it feels like she's playing with her food every time she's fighting. She knows all she needs is like two more significant strikes and the fight's over. Mm -hmm. But she wants it to go that distance. And she shows respect afterwards for having her opponent hang in there with her so long, but she's clearly the better fighter every time. I think it's in Juliana's best interest to try to get this fight to the ground. Even though, you know, Amanda's very comfortable there, I feel like striking-wise, Amanda Nunes is one of the scariest to stand in front of in the UFC. So I see this one, uh, unanimous decision, all five, Amanda Nunes remains the double champ. Yeah, she is the women's bantamweight and featherweight champion right now. I agree with you for the most part. Uh, Juliana Pena, like I said, no joke. Mm -hmm. She should absolutely take this fight to the ground in her 11 wins in her career. Five of them have come via submission. Mm -hmm. She's also on a three-fight winning streak after losing to the great Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, But she's coming off back-to-back submission wins. Mm -hmm. So I think the only way she wins this fight is somehow catching Amanda Nunez off guard in a submission. Right. But that's almost never happened in her career. And Amanda Nunez is no joke on the ground either. So I think Amanda Nunez wins this fight, but I do think it comes via knockout. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if there's any other women's contender that can actually bring Amanda Nunez to her boiling point. Yeah. Um. Hopefully Nunez wins this fight and then goes on to face Valentina Shevchenko for a third time. Yeah, I want to see that. I'd love to see that fight. I think it's the only fight to make right now for both women. And that fight might be the one where we see both Amanda Nunez and Valentina Shevchenko in a true contest. Mm -hmm. I mean, even this fight on Saturday night, Amanda Nunez is a minus 850 favorite. Yeah. I know Valentina Shevchenko was like a minus 1200 favorite against Lauren Murphy in her Mm -hmm. last fight. I want these two women matched up against each other again. And I think Amanda Nunez makes that very clear with a statement knockout victory over Juliana Pena on Saturday night. I agree. All right. Well, that does it for the co-main events. 
for the main event, we have a lightweight title fight. I am super excited for this one. We have the champion Charles Dubronx Oliveira versus the number one ranked lightweight in the world, Dustin El Diamante Poirier. How do you see this clash playing out on Saturday night? You know, I might stand alone here, but I'm so happy to see Poirier not fighting McGregor for once. Like, it's, I have not seen him fight if it wasn't against Conor McGregor in probably a year now. Yeah, it's I'm been a while. so excited to see him actually just fight a normal contender one more time. I feel like Poirier has been very impressive lately. So you look at the wins he has over, over McGregor. Obviously, you see the one where McGregor literally broke his leg or ankle or whatever right. in the middle of the fight. That one questionable. He was still getting beat up before that. Um, that first or that second fight, though, that's the one I look at. And he was able to pick apart arguably one of the greatest UFC fighters ever in Conor McGregor. I have a, a feeling that if you're able to do that to Conor McGregor, you won't struggle nearly as much with someone I think most would agree is not to the, to the level of McGregor. That's not taking anything away from Charles at all. He obviously is good enough to literally be the champion. Uh, obviously, it was a vacant, a vacant title and all of that, but still, mm -hmm. you are the champion. I think he loses that belt, though. I think that's the only belt that changes hands at the end of UFC 269, Dustin Poirier is walking out with a the title. They're having a rematch for the title. McGregor's coming back, and he'll lose again. Man, okay, so a lot of heavy stuff there. Yes. I do agree with you. Partially, again, I do think Dustin Poirier walks out as the new undisputed lightweight champion of the world. Mm -hmm. He's just, he's probably at the prime of his career right yeah. now. And that's something... That is crazy because we've been talking about him for so long, even mm -hmm. when he fought uh, McGregor for the first time. And now he just seems so dominant and his mental health. I've seen so many interviews with Dustin Poirier. He seems in the best mental condition of his career. He didn't let that McGregor smack talk in that last fight affect him in any way. Right. And instead he went out there, took McGregor down, almost finished him. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he snapped his leg and. That was the end of the fight. But Dustin Poirier is no joke. He's coming off two straight wins against, like you said, one of the top UFC fighters of all time. Yeah. And that winning streak is after his loss to Khabib, which losing to Khabib Everyone is, has done. So Everyone <laughs> that has gone up against Khabib has lost to him. So you can't really uh, argue against that one. He last fought at UFC 264 against Conor, and he has a 61% career takedown defense. Mm-hmm. Now, Charles Oliveira, on the other side, he debuted in 2010 and set the record for uh, time between debut and title shot, and he actually won against Michael Chandler. He knocked out Michael Chandler in the second round, I believe. He's on a nine-fight winning streak. Wow. He has 10 wins by KO and 19 wins by submission. So of his 31 wins... 29 of them have been finishes. Yeah. He specializes in jujitsu and submissions. He can also be threatening on the feet like he just knocked out Michael Chandler, who just had a brawl against Justin Gaethje in the light, lightweight division as well. Facts. I do like Dustin Poirier here to win. I just think he's too good right now. I think a lot of people are underestimating Charles Oliveira, but like Poirier has said in the past, he is not underestimating Charles Oliveira. Mm -hmm. Similarly to... 
the Nunez Pena fight. I think the only way Oliveira wins this fight is by catching Poirier in a submission, right? Which I think is more likely to happen in this title fight. But I do like Dustin Poirier to win this fight. I think it comes via a fourth round knockout for Poirier. And then it seemingly looks like Justin Gaethje will be the next contender as um, Conor McGregor heals up and maybe fights Michael Chandler next. Mm. But I do like Poirier winning this Saturday night and being crowned the new champ. Absolutely. I feel like that is, like I said earlier, the only belt that changes hands. Uh, It's always a very good pay-per-view whenever you're able to see two title fights in one. I don't remember the last one that I was disappointed when I had, you know, two different title fights to look at for co-main events. This one should be good. Absolutely. Should be amazing. We'll see. Yeah, this whole card is amazing. We both have Dustin Poirier winning. This whole card, like I said, stacked main card. And also, even some of the prelims and early prelims fights are something to be in awe of. Yeah. We have Josh Emmett versus Dan Ige, a featherweight matchup. It's a featured prelim, I believe. We also have Pedro Munoz versus Dominic Cruz, former champion there in the bantamweight division. That's going to be fun. Also, a heavyweight clash between Augusto Sakai versus Tai Tuavasa. Tuavasa, we'll see if he does another shoey. If he wins, probably Mm -hmm. so. And then on the early prelims, we have an exciting submission artist, Ryan Hall versus Derek Minner, and also exciting prospects in the bantamweight division, Randy Costa versus Tony Kelly. Those are just to name a few of those fights. This card from top to bottom is fantastic. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to Josh Emmett coming back, you know, after he just blew out his Achilles or ACL or whatever in his last fight. Yeah. Which he still won, by the way. Uh, You know, it's, it's, I'm so excited to at least see that return. I think he, you know, really shows out to come back for sure. And Dominic Cruz still being on the card. You know you're getting a good fight every time. Oh, so yeah. I'm I'm just so excited for this one, man. Yeah. And Cruz has something to fight for here. This is probably his last run towards mm-hmm. the title here in his career. Um, what a career it has been. And he's fighting up in the rankings against Munoz. Yeah. So if he wins that, he might be just one or two fights away from another title fight, which would be something else at this stage in his career. Mm-hmm. But like I said, lots to look forward to. Recapping the main card, we have Raleigh and Paeva versus Sean O'Malley. We both picked Sean O'Malley for that. Yep. Also have Kai Car France and Cody Garbrandt. We both picked Kai Car France, I believe. Yep. And then Jeff Neal versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. I had Jeff. And I had Santiago. We'll see how that one plays out. And then, of course, the two title fights between Amanda Nunez versus Juliana Pena and Charles Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier. Both think that Nunez and Poirier will pick up the wins come this Saturday night. And what a night it will be. Absolutely. All right. Well, that will do it for us. Hopefully this show is everything that is advertised to be as new contenders and potential champions may arise. It all goes down this Saturday night, December 11th from Las Vegas. And you can hear more from us here at WZIP Sports the very next day on SPT from 11 to 1. Thanks again for listening to SPT Overtime. Joining me was Michael Matthews. And I'm Jake Murrin. Have a great time watching the fights, everyone.